Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai, 32 years, over 16,000 surgeries. Crazy. What a busy week I had. Yesterday was awesome. You know how I talk about my dad being a carpenter, measured twice, cut once. Well, sure enough, it comes in handy because a lot of times young people come and see me and they need hip surgery because their leg lengths aren't correct. They were born with one leg slightly longer or shorter, depending on how you look at it, than the other. And just like the alignment in your car is off and you'll wear out the tires prematurely, If the alignment ain't right, if your leg links ain't right, look out for your lower back and wearing out your discs and wearing out the cartilage in your hip. So when I get to reconstruct someone, which for me is a powerful experience, whether you believe in God or not, that's up to you, but I do. And whoever built our bodies, I got to make it better. Can you imagine that kind of responsibility? But I so enjoy measuring twice, cutting once. It's a beautiful thing to take someone who comes to me where they're for their whole life, their leg links were never right, and to make them right. It's an awesome feeling. What a day. It was great. Surgery with my assistants. Can't do it alone. Just like I can't do this radio show alone without the great Steve Paulette. Ten years together. What a joy. The hell yeah. What a show we have planned for you today. Oh, my God. Clapper Vision, I'll get right to it. It's going to be about Drummond and a toenail. What a fantastic device is a toenail or a fingernail. My Clapper Vision is a motorcycle helmet. You know how you have that glass shield that allows you to see into the eyes of the motorcyclist? but the helmet is this rock-solid structure that protects your head, better known as a brain bucket. But it's that clear shield that allows you to see into the eyes of the rider. Well, believe it or not, look at your hand right now. Look at your fingernail. When you're, God forbid, in an accident, those EMTs, paramedics, they'll do what's known as a Blanche test. We can squeeze the fingernail, and absolutely see transparently through the clear fingernail and determine circulation. It's a window into your body, but it also allows this beautiful touch in your hand and in your feet. There's a reason Andre Drummond didn't play because you ripped the fingernail off or toenail off like he did. It hurts, and you need it. 
to be able to jump and land. He'll be back. But from now on, whenever you hear about a fingernail, you think of the clapper vision of a motorcyclist and that clear plastic shield allowing you to see inside. That's exactly what it's for. But it also enhances that touch of the pulp of the toe itself or your finger. Today's show, I'm so excited. My guest at 8.15 started a company to allow a surfer, or anybody for that matter, in the ocean to be fearless about sharks. You know how much I love to surf, but you do think about those men in the gray suits swimming underneath you. So they they devised a band that you can wear that sends out a signal, we'll learn more about it at 8.15, that keeps the sharks away. So it made me think all week. You know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. What is it about a shark? Just saying the word. You could be sitting on the beach. You're a half a mile away from the ocean. I just say, shark! Your heart starts to race. It's, and I thought about it all week in art, in sports, in surgery. It's not only that it can rip you up in half and kill you. It's that it stalks you. And in fact, the mafia, and every immigration has its own mafia. It all began with the Italian mafia, but every immigrant group in this country where people are hardworking, there's a mafia who wants to take advantage of their population because the bank won't loan you money if you're poor and you have a steady job. But you can go to what's known as a loan shark and that mafia knows they'll get paid back but they'll have exorbitant rates and if not, they'll kill you. It's called a loan shark. It creates such an emotional power and fear just saying the word shark But if you can tame it, true success can take place. And two guys in the art world, the music world, tamed the shark. Bobby Darin and Frank Sinatra. The song is called Mac the Knife. This is Bobby Darin. Oh, the shark, baby, has such teeth. And it shows them pearly white. He's describing the shark. Just a jackknife. But he's really talking about a loan shark. And it keeps it out of sight. This song took a nobody, Bobby Darren. He had many other songs out there. None of them were hits. Until he arranged and sang a song about a shark because if you can tame that shark you have done something special just for comparison just listen to Quincy Jones talking about Frank Sinatra and his attempt at taming the shark I just love it Frank Sinatra is the American pop singer he's the the, the, uh, essence of what American pop singer is all about he relates to a melody just like a a very uh, stylized 
of jazz musician does with the way they deal with the Listen melody to this and musician. turn it, curve it, and really I make it their own. Coming up. When you're in the pocket, you're right in the groove that's, that's necessary that's for that nice. tune, just like Mac the Knife. Du, du, ding, du, du, ding, du. That's right in the pocket. If it were any faster or any slower, it would be out of the pocket. And Frank Sinatra knew how to put this shark in the pocket and tame him. Here the shark has pretty teeth, dear. And he shows them, shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has Mac Heath, dear. And he keeps it keeps it way out of sight when the shark bites with his teeth dear scarlet billows <laughs> they start to spread fancy gloves though wears Mac Heath dear so there's never Never, never a trace of red. So these songs are very nice and dandy. And they've tamed the shark and gave great success to Bobby Darren and Frank Sinatra as a shark in the art and music world. We'll get into it in sports in a second. Where are you going to hear about a shark attacking surfer Mick Fanning in the middle of a surf contest in South Africa? And you're going to hear his teammate, Julian Wilson, cry. You talk about emotional power in art, in sports, in surgery. That's what a shark does. But I wanted you to listen to the great actor Robert Shaw in the movie Jaws from 1975 describing why we have that emotional connection to a shark is because we're so scared of these damn things. This is a speech from the movie Jaws about a shark. True story. The shark's killing in World War II. The aircraft carrier, the Indianapolis. And only this Shakespearean actor, Robert Shaw, who, by the way, behaved like a shark to Richard Dreyfus, which we'll get into in a second. This is why we fear the shark. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you. Right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. <laughs> the ocean turns red and... In spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very scary. But they create they create this emotional feeling in us that you literally start to cry. So here's Richard Dreyfus, an older man now, being interviewed in Ireland, of all places, talking about making the movie Jaws with this shark of an actor, Robert Shaw. And you'll hear him start to cry. 
This is unbelievable. I was talking, I, was, I mentioned on, on my radio show this morning that Richard Dreyfuss is going to be on the chat show tonight and I hope you all tune in and hope you like what you get. And we got a text in from a 14-year-old girl from Kilkenny to say that her granddad was in Jaws with you and his name was Robert Shaw, an extraordinary actor of his generation. And I said to her as we were chatting, she said, I'd love to meet him. I said, well, you'd like to meet your, your grandfather, your late grandfather. She said, no, I'd love to meet Richard Dreyfus." And I said, well, why don't you come up to the show tonight and, and meet him? And I introduced you to her in the green room before the show. And you, you, you got so emotional. And you, you broke down in, in a way because, and you, you hugged her and you said the nicest things to her about, about Mr. Shaw, about Robert Shaw. Why, why did you get so taken back? Taken well, back? Oh, because... He was a powerful man in Richard Dreyfuss' life. First of all, I'm, I'm one of the easy criers okay. of all time. That's a nice. And I, 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 it was like a closure what? of some kind. You know, Jaws was my, Jaws was one of the first films. Sure. And when I met her, it was like closure. That was the first word I thought of. And you have no idea how grand and large he was. Yeah. He can't even keep himself together. It's the shark. He's talking about the man, but he's also talking about the shark. And then I learned what a crazy movie this was because they're talking about hunting the shark. The shark's hunting them. But the way Shaw treats Dreyfus, they're actors. But in real life, behind the scenes, Robert Shaw was like a shark. Robert was competitive about everything and anything. And so I guess he might have been competitive about the reviews. Dreyfus would say, what am, I, what am I doing on this island? Why am I here? I should be, I should be signing autographs in Sardis. I should be feted all over New York City. That did it for Robert Shaw. That was, the, I think, the beginning of the great Dreyfus-Shaw feud. Shaw was a troublemaker. Shaw was an instigator. He liked to get people riled up. He was like a shark. He was totally malicious. He really thought Dreyfus needed a slapping down. Young punk with no stage experience. And because there was a natural tension between his character and Dreyfus's character, there was also a natural tension between Shaw the actor and Dreyfus the actor. You got city hands, Mr. Hooper. Got money all your life. All right, all right. Hey, I don't need this. I don't need this working class hero crap. He was an <laughs> enormous personality, and he radiated it. And in private, he was the kindest, gentlest, funniest guy you ever met. Then we'd walk to the set, and on the way to the set, he was possessed <laughs> by some evil troll. Shark! Who would then make me his victim. I was his victim. You were the victim of the shark, Richard Dreyfus. Who knew? Shaw would say, look at you, Dreyfus. You eat and you drink and you're fat and you're sloppy. Your age is criminal. Why, you couldn't even do 10 good push-ups. He would challenge Dreyfus on, on all kinds of levels. Uh, his favorite, one, one great trick for, that he did to Dreyfus as an actor is just before they start rolling and have to be seriously acting, Shaw would lean over to Dreyfus and say, mind your mannerisms. <laughs> <laughs>
then they'd start shooting. And Dreyfus, of course, would be trying to mind his mannerisms and be present as the actor. Here's Spielberg talking about, forget about the shark in the water, the shark on the set, Robert Shaw. When you're competitive with someone who's three times your size and who is already given one of the greatest Shakespearean performances in the world, um, it wasn't hard for Robert to get my number. Robert would basically humiliate Richard into taking a chance. For instance, Robert would say, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you climb to the top of the mast on the orca and jump off into the water. And finally, one day, Richard Dreyfus, the rookie, decided he couldn't take it anymore from the shark, Robert Shaw. And then one day, he was coming down the gangplank. He had a glass of bourbon in his hand. And he said, help me out, will you, Richard? And I said, you want me to help you out? <laughs> yeah. Richard took the shot glass out of Robert's hand and threw it out the window. At which point, every drinker <laughs> on the crew went, ooh. That was the uh, shot heard around the world. It got ugly. It got ugly. But um, it was also Quint and Hooper living out that relationship as Shaw and Dreyfus. Oh, wow. And finally, the shark took him out. And the next scene was me at the cleats trying to get the cleats cut. And there was water all over the place. And Robert took the fire hose and stood behind the camera and aimed it at my face. <laughs> And that was the one day that I lost my sense of humor. Oh, sharks. They make you cry. They put the fear of God in you. In art, in sports and surgery. Coming up next, we'll get into another tearful moment. You're going to hear Julian Wilson, the surfer, talking about seeing this dorsal fin pop up in the middle of a surf contest and nearly kill his friend Mick Fanning. He can't even keep it together. Sharks. That's today's topic. Can't wait to reveal the power and the emotion when you just say that word. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, Clap Man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Come on, it's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Don't they ask the Lord. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Yo, Tango, un lapis amarillo. Thank you. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Somewhere down the sea, somewhere. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's Bobby Darren. Died at age 37. Heart disease. Terrible. We didn't have the tools that we 
have now, particularly with cardiac surgery. But in those 37 years, Bobby Darren did more with his life than 10 people. But what he did most was he tamed the shark. He had hits. Now, I wouldn't say hits. He had songs that weren't hits until he sang a song about a shark. Listen to him being interviewed. Hey, you got to give credit to Mac the Knife. The song you sang about sharks. And he got a little upset about that. Here's Bobby Darren in his office. Your career started, with, I think, with uh, the great version of Mac the Knife. Is this true? Uh, well, it, uh, I, I don't think any career starts with a particular record. Uh, uh, it's like Harry Belafonte's classic line about it took, it took him 31 years to become an overnight success. You, you work for something. Now, when the public gets a chance to hear something and accept something that they like, then they, for, for all intents and purposes, you are born right at that moment. I had four or five hit records before Mac the Knife, uh, appealing to a younger set, per se, that were rock and roll hits, and prior to that I had seven or eight complete failures that didn't appeal to anyone except my immediate family, I'll be honest with you. So that when you say Mac the Knife, it's the biggest single factor uh, contributing to the value of the name Bobby Darren, certainly. Uh, the, the song was around for years. I didn't create it, I didn't write it, and I didn't do anything to it except treat it a little differently. And uh, I think the arrangement was as much, if not more, the selling point of the song as was the uh, my particular lyric and interpretation. When you tame the shark, you get success. Oh, the shark, baby, has such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, baby. And it keeps it uh, out of sight You know when that shark bite With his teeth, baby Scarlet billows start to spread Fancy gloves, though, where's old Maggie Heath, baby So there's never, never a trace of red What a beautiful taming of a vicious shark. You know I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. Where in the world of sports do we see the shark? Well, in July of 2015, we saw it. Mick Fanning, South Africa. In Bruce Brown's movie, The Endless Summer, he called it Cape St. Francis. Now we call it Jeffrey's Bay. You're in South Africa, you're surfing, there's sharks. Well, in the middle of the competition, one came up and attacked Mick Fanning. Listen to what happened. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know, I just had this instinct that someone was behind me. And then, and then all of a sudden, I felt my, it started getting pulled underwater. Whoa. And then the thing came up, and I was on my board, and it was like right there. I saw the, like the whole thing just thrashing around, but I was getting dragged under by my leg rope. And then... And then I felt like it, like it kicked me off, but then it was still there going and I was still attached to my board and I felt like I punched it a couple of times. And then, and then it was dragging me. I felt like it was just dragging me underwater and then all of a sudden my leg rope broke and I was like, all right, <laughs> just start swimming. I was swimming and screaming and I was yelling at Jules to move as well, but he was coming at me, a little legend just like coming after me. And, 
and uh, and then it was just like I was like swimming in and then I just turned around and I think I, like I just had this thought what happens if it comes to another go at me and so I just turned around so I could at least see it coming and then before I knew it the, the boat was there the jet skis were there and we were in safety and yeah, I just can't believe it. You talk about emotion. We heard Richard Dreyfus start to cry just thinking about making that movie about the shark jaws and dealing with Robert Shaw and how choked up he got. Well, listen to Julian Wilson, the other surfer in the water. He wasn't attacked by the shark. He's just watching that fin come up to try to eat his friend. And as a true hero, Julian Wilson paddles towards the shark, trying to use his surfboard as a weapon to help save his friend, Mick Fanning. I was about to fight it out with Mick Fanning for the ratings lead and got off to a pretty good start, Jules. You had one wave, then explain the scenario that unfolded in the lineup. Yeah, it was pretty spooky. Um, I got the first wave of the, of the heat and then I was kind of down where I wanted to be sitting for the heat. And Mick was kind of in no man's land, so I was really watching him and he was kind of sitting on his board and I was like, oh, if a wave can come right now, then I, and I was really like, just had my eyes on him and he was like kind of looking down the point more. Listen to what happens to Julian Wilson as he tries to tell you the story. This is what a shark does to you in art, in music, in surgery. Emotionally, it'll make you cry. And like literally like saw the whole thing pop up behind him and I was like, I haven't been emotionally yet, but I can't even talk about it. <laughs> Mate, um... One of the, the comments that, that Mick made was rather than paddle towards the beach, he was motioning you to make your way in. You started paddling towards Mick, um, obviously a good friend and a, a pretty hard situation there for you. Yeah. Yeah. He can't keep himself together. It was like it came up and he was wrestling it. I saw the whole thing and then saw he got knocked off his board and then like a little wave popped up and I was like, oh, he's gone, like he's, he's gone under. And I like, I felt like I couldn't get there quick enough. Oh, sweet Mate, it's a, it's a hard one for everyone. Uh, Mick had a moment when he got back to the beach and he fell into the arms of some of his closest friends on tour. He can't even speak. We know that, that sharks are uh, part of the environment here in South Africa. Uh, everyone is, it's kind of in the back of everyone's minds, but you just don't foresee something like this happening in the final of a championship tour event. It was the furthest thing from my mind out there. It's sunny, the waves are pumping, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, it's like early mornings and late afternoons, I tend not to surf out here and, you know, in that moment it was the furthest thing from my mind to be honest and I couldn't believe what I was watching. For three years, I went to surf at Fiji, a place called Namotu. And they basically said to me, enjoy our beautiful waves out here, Dr. Clapper. But please don't go surfing before 6 a.m. or after 6 p.m. I said, why? Oh, that's when the sharks are feeding. Really? I said, do they have a wristwatch? And they at 6.01, they're not going to bite me? And they started to laugh. This is no joke. This is what they believe. is <laughs> You wanna, don't want to be out there. Well, this was at 2.30 in the afternoon. So, so much for the shark having a wristwatch and not biting you at the wrong time. Literally, like, paddling to try and save his life. It was just all, yeah, it was all too much, really. But Mick seems to be all right. I think it's going to take him a little while. And 
I don't see him wanting to go back out there. Fair enough. To, uh, he wanted to send a message to his family and friends to let them know he was okay. You want to do the same for your folks and friends at home? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm, I'm fine. I was just, just so worried about Mick's life, to be honest. I, it wasn't really, it wasn't my battle. I, I, watching that unfold, I was like just so fearful that I couldn't get there in time, but I'm, I'm all good. I'm fine. Wow. The shark, that emotional reaction we get. Richard Dreyfus crying just talking about it. Julian Wilson crying just talking about it. Because it's not only going to kill you, it's the stalking of you. That's what gives it that emotion in art, in sports, in surgery. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. Boy, am I seeing so many knee injuries because it's snow. People are skiing again. Oy vey. So many ACLs. What's fascinating, though, is to be able to see what happens to the bone in someone who's torn their ACL on the MRI. I'll explain. Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Somewhere beyond the sea, she's there watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to her Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. The world is full of beautiful things. Butterfly wings, fairy tale kings, and each new day undoubtedly brings still more beautiful things. The world abounds with many delights, magical sights, fanciful flights, and those who dream on beautiful nights dream of beautiful things. Welcome back, weekend warriors, to a beautiful thing. An orthopedic surgeon talking to you on the radio. Doesn't get better than that, right? Ten years. Stringing together the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Yesterday when I went to the operating room, the nurses put up on their chalkboard this beautiful saying from Maya Angelou. They wrote, they may forget your name, but they will never forget how you made them feel. That's the beautiful thing. The older you get, the more you appreciate this nonverbal communication. And that's what a shark does to you as well. 
It makes you feel a certain way. The stalking, the brutality of it all. Very few things elicit that. And I was fascinated by Mac the Knife because it's a song about a shark, but it's actually not a shark specifically that's swimming in the water. It's a loan shark. That's what this, it comes from Three Penny Opera. A German Jewish playwright in the 20s wrote this play and wrote the song, Mac the Knife, that later Bobby Darren arranges and rearranges and makes his own. I just love it though. It's a feeling, it's an emotional feeling from just saying that that word. It made the career of Bobby Darren. And when Frank Sinatra tames it, also a hit. So I looked into it this week. Sharks in art, in sports, in surgery. And I see this Richard Dreyfus being interviewed. And again, he can't even speak. He starts to cry. I get the sound bites of a shark attack in sports. There it is, South Africa. 2015, and Julian Wilson starts to cry. Few things in life are that powerful. So at 8.15, my guest, Nathan Garrison, who started a company called Shark Bands so that you can actually wear a wristband that emits a signal to keep the sharks away. He's on to something because there's something special about these beautiful animals. But as a surfer, And I surf a lot. It's my therapy to get in the ocean. But that's what I think about when I get in the water. But I also think about the fact that I'm going into his home. It's not my ocean. It's his ocean or her ocean. What creatures they are. And once in a while I'm out there and boom, pops up a dorsal fin. Your heart starts to race. And, of course, it's a dolphin. It's not a shark. But I'm actually not afraid because I'd like to meet one one day because it's another beautiful part of nature. I'm pretty sure they're not interested in biting me, eating me. They think I'm a seal because I have a black wetsuit on. But it's not their fault, which is why when you heard McFanning say, He broke my leash. Yeah, once the shark realized you're not a seal, he's not really interested in you. But it forever changes your life when something like that attacks you. And for that movie Jaws, Steven Spielberg could not have picked a better subject. I think he kept a lot of people out of the ocean forever because they all hear that music that Steve Paulette plays of dum-dum-dum-dum. I mean, it starts to make your heart race because that's exactly what you're thinking about. You can't see it, but you feel it. And if you ever watched that movie, certainly I did in the movie theater, people were screaming in the movie theater. They're not in the ocean. They're in the movie theater. But when you hear that, don't them, don't them. But little did I realize in putting this show together, That although 
The story was about the shark in the water. It was also about the bullying that Robert Shaw was as an actor to Richard Dreyfuss, the actor. Listen to them in that scene where Robert Shaw actually takes his rifle out to shoot the shark so they can put these barrels and bring the shark up to ultimately kill this shark that's attacking everybody. But Richard Dreyfuss and Robert Shaw, it was as though you had a shark on the boat. Forget about one in the ocean. Hold it up. He's coming straight for us. Don't screw it up now. Don't wait for me. Come on, Hoopa. Come on. Hurry up. Tie it on. Now. Now. Kill it, Chris. Kill it. Now. Richard Dreyfuss and Robert Shaw. What a movie about a shark. Let's get back to the clinic, though. The number is 877-710-ESPN. When you tear your ACL, you, I'm talking to you, the skier who's about to go up to Mammoth or Vail or wherever you're going to be going, be careful. Because when you hear a pop and feel a pop and your ligament now has torn, that's the question I'm going to ask you. Did you hear a pop? Did you feel a pop? That swelling starts to take place immediately because there's a blood vessel in that ligament that fills the knee with blood. But what's so interesting to me is on an MRI, you not only see the ligament that's torn, but because the ligament tears, you now see the femur, the thigh bone, and the shin bone, the tibia, bang into each other because that ligament is not working anymore. So the two bones of the knee joint collide and you see edema. You see bruising in the bone classically when you've torn your ligament. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Leonardo da Vinci. You know why? Because Leonardo da Vinci, towards the end of his life, was fascinated by the things in life that were invisible. So he was fascinated by wind. He was fascinated by the power of the tides in the ocean, the stuff in life that's invisible. So how does an artist paint wind? Wind is invisible. What an artist does is they will paint the effect of the wind on the trees. You'll see the trees blowing in the wind. That's how you depict the wind. Well, for a radiologist, It's like wind and a blowing tree. They will, sometimes there'll be so much swelling and edema around the ligament, the ACL, it'll be hard for them to actually tell you, the surgeon, this person has a torn ACL. But you know what they'll say? The bony changes of edema in the femur and the tibia are consistent with a torn ligament. They're seeing the tree bent over and are telling you, the surgeon, there's wind here. There's wind that causes this effect. A torn ACL makes the bone look like this. 
I'm probably the only orthopedic surgeon who thinks of Leonardo da Vinci when he reads a radiologist's report and looks with my own eyes, which I always do at the MRI myself. But it's so interesting. And that is why the world of art, the world of surgery, and the world of sports are the same to me. Because if you look carefully, you'll see it. All right, let's open the clinic. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Michael. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, Dr. Clapper. I actually had a question in regards to the knee. And How um, young are you, and, and what do you do for a living? I'm 38 years young. I'm a EHR specialist. So I help the doctors learn how to use the EHR. Oh, wow. So you're an IT kind of person. So where did you grow up? What did your father do for a living? Uh, my dad actually repaired machines and was a truck driver. Wow. I grew up in the Diamond Bar area, yeah. He was a truck was driver. Born. Does that mean he was away from home for like many days and then came home after a few days on the road? No, he did more of the short haul, so he'd do local runs. Um, so did he, he did that more in the latter part of his life. So in the earlier, it was more repairing paint rigs and machines and things like that for a lot of uh, hydraulics, things like that. Is he still alive? Yeah. He retired? Alive. He's still working? He retired about two years ago. And what is he doing in his retired life? Uh, he likes to rebuild cars. Real. Tell your dad I got a 63 Corvette Stingray convertible and I can use his advice. <laughs> He'd probably be more than willing. <laughs> <laughs> How can I help you, young man? What's up? So I was calling a long-time listener. I remember the days you started. So um, wow. but every Saturday morning I'd listen, and I finally made the call. Um, wow. What I was calling about is my, my left knee, I have a torn ACL. I've had it for about 15 years, never mm-hmm. got it repaired. Mm-hmm. I, I need to. Um, but all of a sudden, um, about three weeks ago now, my right knee, and I do play soccer on the weekends and you know, just a pickup game with the men, and I, I've learned how to play even with the torn ACL. Mm-hmm. But on my right side, I started getting some pain in the lower interior and the back, but only it came out of just random after playing and everything just at the nighttime when I lay down. I mm-hmm. feel like the, the leg is elongated. It's pain in there. But if I bend it, it's fine. So and it just was odd, and I can't figure out what it is. So the ACL, that, uh, and I do so many, but one of the ones that I did this week, again, in a, in a young woman, um, it's amazing to me because you saw I see the ligament that's torn, but the thing that was most impressive to me was the reason her ACL tore, and it's because the space in the bone, it's called the femoral notch, instead of, and you're, you're ready for a clapper vision? Your garage... Absolutely is a rectangular shape, right? That's the garage door. You take your beautiful car, you press the button, the garage door goes up, you pull into the garage. That Your car is the ligament. The garage is the space in the bone that has room for the ligament, all right? So there's plenty of clearance for your car. The walls are away, the ceiling is high, your car fits beautifully into the garage. But many people, including the patient this week, are born where they don't have a rectangular-shaped garage to house their car, to house their ligament, if you will, in their knee. They live in a Native American teepee. It's an A-frame. Gig is into, hey, go try to bring your car into a garage that's shaped like a teepee. And what happens? There's no ceiling above. The walls are encroached. 
you can't help but bump into the side walls of the teepee, right? Because the car doesn't fit like all that room that the rectangular shaped garages. So I, as a surgeon, spent a lot of time in her surgery carving, sculpting like I do in marble. I tell people I work in stone and bone, but carving her bone with a burr, making room for the new ligament so it doesn't tear again because she was born with that kind of abnormality that led to her tearing her ACL. And so what I say to you, Michael, is, you know what? Is it a coincidence that you tore your ACL many years ago and you should have it fixed and you should have it fixed with your own body parts, your own patella tendon and not a cadaver? That's my opinion. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. You should get a copy and you're more than... It would be my pleasure if you want to come up to Cedars for me to take care of you. You win the prize uh, this week. But I would say to you is it is not surprising to me that your good knee, your other knee, is starting to speak to you after all these years of overcompensating and favoring it. So, yeah, you should have your other knee checked out before you have something not great go on. And do not let them do cortisone shots or stem cells or other cockamamie needles into your knee. You need an exam. You'll need an MRI. You work hard your whole life doing favors for us with the EHR business that you do. You should have an MRI of your other knee, and you really should have a status report of what the ACL loss in your other knee is doing to your meniscus doing to your knee in terms of arthritis. It's a very good idea. Information, which you're an expert in, empowers us. Get those studies yeah. just to learn, Michael. What to do about it is a whole other story. But learning, that would be my advice to you. And if you do get that MRI, Michael, then it'll be my pleasure if you stay down by Diamond Bar where you live, get the report. You can go to the front of the line, and I will translate what that MRI is with Clapper Vision if you want. Excellent. No, absolutely. I'm excited. I listen to you every Saturday morning, oh, my God. morning ritual, and uh, absolutely. God bless confirmed you. Confirmed pretty much what I was thinking, but I just, again, action is, is, speaks louder than words. So information, data. Well, Michael, you, you yeah. made my day knowing that you've been listening for so long, and you're a total stranger to me, but you're not really a total stranger. You're part of the family. <laughs> so I want you, and I just did something nice for you. I want you to thank me. By finding a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how this becomes Absolutely a better world. Will. God bless you, and I thanks so much, and we'll be in touch. Day. Okay, Michael, appreciate it. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. The lines are all lit up. The number is 877-710-ESPN. It's so fantastic to be able to talk to you guys, and thanks for telling your friends and your family. It's a true joy for me. Listen, I was in the operating room for 12 hours yesterday to wake up early to be with you because I enjoy it so much, and you know that. Coming up next, we'll keep the clinic open. And thanks so much for listening to the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. The world is full of beautiful things, butterfly wings, fairytale kings, and each new day undoubtedly brings still more beautiful things. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. 
it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I wonder how many times you've been had, and I wonder how many plans have gone bad. I wonder how many times you had sex, and I wonder... Welcome back, Weekend Warriors, the great Sixto Rodriguez, because he was the sixth child born to Mrs. Rodriguez, which reminds me of the very first patient in medical school I delivered a baby, my rotation on OBGYN. Her name was Rodriguez, Puerto Rican lady, love her. Not enough doctors in the hospital. I'm a medical student. The nurse goes, go in there. She's delivering. Go deliver the baby. I have no idea how to deliver a baby. I go running in the room, and there she was, Mrs. Rodriguez. God bless her. 11 children. I'm in charge of delivering number 12. I must have had my hat on backwards. God knows where my mask was. I'm a nervous wreck. She's up in the stirrups. I sit down. All of a sudden, God bless Mrs. Rodriguez, she leans over the drapes, looking at me, beads of sweat. She's about to deliver this baby. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm sitting there. I mean, I read it all in the book. It's not like I had no idea, but I never did it before. She leans over the drapes to look down at me, sitting at the stool, ready to catch a baby. And she says, don't worry, Dr. Clapper. You're going to do just fine. Dr. Clapper. She's having the baby. She's reassuring me. Can you imagine? Another beautiful person I met in my life, like an angel from above. She said, I'm going to push and you're going to catch. Bada boom, bada bing. There was a baby in my hands. Crying, screaming. It was a beautiful thing. Yes, I've delivered babies. I love it. All right, the number is 877-710-ESPN. Let the lines are all lit up. Let's go to Barry. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hi, Dr. Clapper. It's a pleasure listening to you. I'm a big fan. Uh, thank you, Barry. How young are you, and what do you do for a living? I'm 66 years old. I'm an oh. independent um, uh, contractor, wow. and I have a bad lower back that's been bothering me for so long, and nobody can figure out what's causing the pain. I'm going to figure it out, and you know that, all right? All right. Exactly. I know that absolutely. What did your that. father do for a living? Me laugh, you're going to cure me. <laughs> uh, my father, my father was a physics professor, and uh, uh, he got me into playing tennis. He was a tennis player, and so I became a competitive tennis player. Played in college and played uh, socially and competitively ever since. But, how do uh, you? How does the son of a physics professor? Where did you grow up, by the way? Uh, Los Angeles. So he was a physic at a college at a high school. Where was he a well, professor? He was in New York. He was in New York. He was a college professor in New York, and I actually went to school to be close to him in New York for just for one year and play tennis at a at a small college in upstate New York called 
And uh, so, yeah. I what got was the college to to called? York. New Paltz State University. Oh, wow. Yeah, I heard yeah, about New Paltz the growing up. They had them. They had yeah. apparently not that I ever did this because I didn't. The best marijuana of any school in upstate New York. That's what. <laughs> that's, I, that's exactly why I left. Actually. That's exactly what's uh, going uh, on. And and as they say in that song, we got to get that song. Early morning rain. The Gordon Life. The Gordon Lightfoot song. Uh, Steve Pellett, when Peter Paul and Mary sing it, it's just beautiful. But he talks about oh, yeah. the, the women were all fast. Whatever that means, but I think they were all at New Paltz. So whatever the women being fast was, they were at New Paltz. They what a, were at New Paltz. What a what a year that was in your life. What year was that? Yes. Oh my God, that was nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty. Oh my God, the world was a different yeah, place. Way back when. Oh place, my God. So what happened? Yeah. Why did you not become a physics professor like your dad? Uh, never quite, uh, never quite got into physics, never quite got mm. into physics, uh, but, uh, but appreciated his getting me into tennis. That's for sure. I've had mm. a lot of great times on the tennis court. No Achilles and, uh, tendon ruptures, no, uh, no, no knee injuries. you you've survived it all, no. but your back hurts. Exactly. Well, uh. yeah, my back hurts. So I've, I've had low back spasms, mm -hmm. uh, back spasms since I've been in my early twenties. Mm -hmm. I'm now 66. Uh, a few years ago, um, uh, bent over uh, to pick something up. Uh, had the low back spasms on and off my life through through my years, right? So can I tell you what the ago, diagnosis though, is already? I already know what's the matter yeah. with you. Can you imagine? I'm I already with, know. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. I'm, I'm all ears. Here's what's the matter with you. You're not supposed to have, Barry, back spasms or any lower back issues in your early 20s. So when I see a patient, and I see 100 patients a week, and I've been doing this for mm -hmm. 32 years. Can you imagine? Do the math. Just imagine how many people I've seen. You could, oh fill Dodger, you could fill Dodger Stadium, and I could walk out onto the pitcher's mound and look around a full Dodger Stadium with fans and go, I've actually examined everybody in this stadium. That's how many people I've seen. <laughs> So That's what, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So when I tell yeah. you, I can tell you what's the matter with you already, you better listen. So I'm all ears at 20 years old. You're not supposed to have any back pain. So when I see a 20 year old who comes to me with back problems of any kind, guess what I'm looking at? I'm looking at, you know what Clapper vision is? Yes, sir. Okay. The Clapper vision for you is the lower back is like a stack of Oreo cookies. The cookie is the bone. The, the cream filling is the disc and they're beautifully stacked in that package Oh, that Oreo cookies come in, and that's how your spine is, one on top of the other, beautifully in symmetry. However, the cookie itself may not have been fully formed as a disc, as a beautiful chocolate disc. My mouth is watering already thinking of an Oreo cookie. But, my, <laughs> but that's what should, it should look like. We know what the cookie should look like of the Oreo cookie, but what if I took the cookie and cracked it a little bit and I'm not talking about bone spurs. I'm not talking about herniated discs. I'm not talking about any of the things that you get in your 30s and your 40s. I'm talking about a 20-year-old. 20-year-olds don't get herniated discs. 20-year-olds don't get bone spurs because they're only 20. So what causes back spasm that you, a 66-year-old man, are telling me you've had problems in your back since you're 20? The congenital, the way the bone was shaped just like the shingles on a roof that you know all about, how they that one layer needs to fit beautifully underneath the other layer so that when it rains, 
the water doesn't build up underneath the shingling of the roof. Capiche? Capiche. That shingling, those facet joints and how they're lined up, I can promise you there is an abnormality, and there's a great expression, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. The doctors you've seen already don't know what they're looking for because you need to be looking for old PARS defects, they're called, old congenital, a, a poor shingling of a roof that that person's calling you because their roof is leaking, and you know to look for where the shingling did not protect the rainwater from getting into the roof because they they got lazy. They didn't put the tar paper in the right spot. They didn't shingle the roof the right way. Well, and what I can, you're saying makes so much sense. Well, of course it so does, because this is what the answer is. Yeah. So right. you're going to need an evaluation, not just with an X-ray, although you can see them if you know what you're looking for in an X-ray. But here's a case, in my opinion, where a CAT scan is actually going to be better for you than an MRI, which is the great almighty test, but not for what you and I are looking for. You and I are looking for shingling problems in the roof and how it's layered, how those facet joints lined up. That it's 66, yeah, you got stenosis, you got spurs, you got all the things that happen to the tires when the alignment was bad when you first bought the car. You know what I mean? The later changes yeah. now I got, but what is the source? Ah, that you're going to see on a CAT scan. That's what I've been looking for, yep. What's so, the cause of the so pain? So I'm going to give you a couple of names right now. They're at Cedars, and they will help you figure this out. Um, so you got a pencil? I do. The guy I love, Terrence Kim, K-I-M, smart, knows what he's doing. The great Pat Johnson, just a terrific, these are terrific. One's an orthopedic surgeon, one's a neurosurgeon. You get a hold of either Pat Johnson, Terrence Kim, Lionel Hunt, H-U-N-T. Those are three names I'll give you. They're at Cedars. They will get you figured out. And if anybody leaves you with any doubt, you better get a hold of me, and I will tell you and figure out what's the matter for you. Now, Barry, you're a total oh. stranger to me. I want you to do me a favor. I just helped you a total stranger. Today, I want you to find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I'm going to be thanking you forever. This is such great advice. I can't wait to get a hold of these guys. Just one more additive that I'm going to tell you right now. Yes, sir. Right now, as we speak, I'm laying flat on my back because my back is killing me. I'm in spasm right now. Mm -hmm. I just had... My daughter just gave birth last night to my uh, first grandchild oh. at, at Cedars, who uh, I'm going to see on Monday. Uh, <laughs> and I can't wait. I pray my spasm is relieved so I can hold my new grandbaby. Well, go up to the seventh floor, seven north, uh, northeast. Go up to the seventh floor, the orthopedic floor, and you'll see a sculpture on that floor I made of my father, Abraham. And you'll be able to touch oh, his I face. Tell him you want to go I see Dr. It. Clapper's sculpture at the hospital. I'm going to do that. I'm right. going to do that. I'm God gonna bless give you. I'm going to give the sculptor a kiss. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. All right. My pleasure, Barry. All right, Warriors, we're overdue. We'll take a break, pay some bills, coming back. We're going to tell some stories about a shark. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. And an aching in my heart And my pockets full of sand 
Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clappervision. Clappervision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.